Sure, for sure. Well, man, I, I really, once again, appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk to me, man. I, I was, uh, uh, you know, just following you on social media. I was telling my wife earlier, um, like kind of all of my inspiration for podcasts, I'll see somebody and I'll just be like, man, it would be cool to talk to that guy. <laughs> and then I hit him up and most of the time it materializes. So yeah, man. Again. Happy to do it, man. This is actually, like I said, my first time doing a um, podcast or whatever. So yeah. Um, you know, like I said, some people like a tight format on it. I'm kind of like fly by the seat of my pants. I got you. Let it, let it, cool. let it develop however it develops. But yeah. Right. Well, hey, let me intro you real quick. So we got Sean Mills from Machine Funk, a tribute to widespread panic. So, uh, man, t- tell me a little bit about like where, where did the, what's the origin of the name? Uh, Machine Funk um, is actually uh, the original name for the widespread instrumental machine, you know, machine bar stools. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, when it first came around in the early 90s, I believe that was the original name for it was Machine Funk, or I saw it on some set lists and um, wow. tapes I used to get, yeah. you know. So there was an old uh, widespread message board back in the early 2000s um, called the uh, Easy Board Sandbox or whatever. And my name on there was Machine Funk. So before cool. the band came around, I had that name as my screen name. So when, when we finally got together, we were thinking band names. I just threw it out. and It, uh, it stuck. It's, it's yeah. not really the greatest of, uh, you know, it doesn't really tell a lot about widespread unless you're really deep into them. You know, some, some people have gotten the name over the years, but a lot of times it's kind of like, you know, people think we're a funk band, you know, like, oh, you guys are a funk band, you know, or I didn't hear any funk music, but anyway, uh, that's just how it is. But that's where the name came from. I've heard you guys get funky a time or two, just <laughs> yeah. my passing <laughs> listens. I've heard Panic get funky a, a time or three, man. It's, they, uh, oh, yeah. yeah that's the great down. thing about them. They can, uh, a lot of that New Orleans stuff, some of the meter stuff, they can really get funky. Yeah. Miss the school starts slapping the bass, and then, uh, no doubt. They, they, that's the thing I like about them, and the, and the Grateful Dead. They, they cover so much, you know, so many different parts of music, you know, hard rock and stuff, heavy metal sounding stuff to reggae, you know, like, it's just a big dynamic. Their sounds are very dynamic. They can go from a country sound, just a, a lot like the Grateful Dead, too. Just very, uh, very versatile in their, you know, their sound. So, man, how did you first get into listening to Panic? Because I, I, I missed out on it for a long time. I didn't start listening to him until 2015, and I, I don't know what I was doing. To I just never heard of him before that. Right. And, like, the, then I went and saw him live. They came and played in Arkansas, and it blew me away. Then I started following him all over the country. So, well, how old are you, Brian? 33. 33. So you're seven. I'm 40. Well, when when I was, you know, I grew up like, and when I was real young, I used to like, like Motley Crue and like Metallica and stuff, you know. And then I went through the Nirvana phase when I was in seventh or eighth grade, Pearl Jam. I was into that stuff. Same. Alice in Chains. I still love them. Um, but when I got into about eighth or ninth grade, um, actually my stepdad, I had a really cool stepdad. My parents were young when they had me, so they were only 
20 years older than me. My stepdad was a big deadhead. He was really into Garcia. So he started kind of getting me in that jam band kind of, uh, which that wasn't even a term back then. But um, widespread came about just with my love for the Grateful Dead. I got turned on to them. When I went to high school, there was this girl that I really had a big crush on. She was older than me. She liked them. So I kind of got into it that way. I ended up going to see him. And then that was 1995. So, yeah, that would have been Hauser era. Wow. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Standing Hauser era. Oh, oh, oh. I only hear about that in Panic Stream. <laughs> Jojo had only been around for like three years when I started seeing him. He was the wow. new guy. But um, just seeing them, and I got hooked. And, you know, I'm from South Carolina. Uh, and in the early to mid-90s, man, they played around here. It seemed like every five or six weeks, you know what I mean? They were just – and Fish and fish would come around once a year. The Grateful Dead come around once a year. But, but widespread, they seemed to be accessible. They'd play Wilmington, North Carolina, Myrtle Beach, Charleston, you know, Columbia. They were all around. So I had a lot of opportunity as a young man, uh, you know, turning 15, 16 years old, very impressionable, and, you know, just getting my mind blown with live music. I still think the the mid to late 90s were the greatest time for live music since the 70s. I mean, 97 Fish, you know, the widespread between 97 and 2000, the way they grew, their sound, their just everything. See, so like it's often been my theory that like I may have heard about them late because like the area you're talking about, I would have been 10 years old. So, yeah. and then... Hauser passes away in 02, uh, 87. Uh, so, you know, I'm just getting into the age where you started getting into him when Hauser passes away. Not saying yeah. that's also, but um, I don't know. I don't know if they really lost m momentum as a band. I know they kept playing. I listened to all three of those McConnell albums and the live stuff. I love it. Well, I the, irony, the irony of it is, is when Hauser died, they were almost at their height of popularity. You know, the first few George years, I mean, they – they freaking sold out like Walnut Creek in Raleigh. I mean, that was like, you know, thirty thousand people. Wow. You know, they were they were they were still selling out places when George started with the band. Oh, but musically, it took a huge hit, huge hit. I mean, the first time I saw him without Mikey, it was I was like, oh my god. You know, it was a really big difference because he was so quiet and in and out and weaving and stuff, but he was really kind of the backbone of the band as far as you know that driving lead and the drivingness of his guitar, it just, it pushed it and Todd played off of it so well. Um, but anyway, where was I going with that? Oh, about just, yeah. So I was just at the right age and the right time where they started to blow up and I was seeing them in like high school gyms and stuff. And like this place, Wilmington, it was University of Wilmington, uh, University of North Carolina, Wilmington. It was still a pretty small place. Man. There's like 800 people in the place, you know? And they're just lighting it up. Wow. <laughs> and I'm freaking, you know, just getting into fucking smoking joints and swag with my buddies. And, you know, it's just it's, it's fucking, there was a time. And I got lucky. And it really fueled me to want to start playing guitar. But really being serious about playing music. Finding some people to play started becoming a thing to me. Yeah, but yeah. A, a lot of kids in my school played too. You know, they uh, there was a few high school bands, and there was some guys in the neighborhood. They all played guitar, so it seemed to always be around me. 
and sparked my interest. But anyway, yeah, I was just yeah. the right place at the right time, man. The age group. I saw Garcia one time before he died on my 15th birthday. I saw Grateful Dead in Charlotte. So I got to see that and absorb it and feel it. And it was, it was crazy. Even though he was on his, you know, last little bit, he was still the man. You know what I mean? That fucker, he came out like the damn wizard, son. Yeah. Like, I've never seen a stage presence like I've seen Jerry Garcia. Hell Somebody yeah. not even doing anything, you know? He was just coming out. I know, right? I know. <laughs> he, didn't talk, he didn't talk to the crowd or nothing. He threw his arm up at the man that's like i I try and convey uh, you know people that haven't heard of of widespread panic i try and convey just the emotions of how that band has made me feel like uh, i was it it, i tell the story all the time because it's never like jimmy is playing this uh they're playing neil young's walk on at dc two years ago Dude, I just started bawling my eyes out. I'm like, what is this dude even doing? What is this whole band doing to me right now? I've been listening to music for 30-something years, you know? Like, it's sitting me down right now with what these guys are are doing. You know, it's it's real special. It's almost like magic where, like, oh, I mean, it's always relatable. It's always – you can always find something because the material – even the covers they do, it's – it's deep stuff, man. It's not, they're not just up there trying to cut a track or, 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 you know, hit a chance. It's, it's a weird, everything is about soul. Just like I was saying about Garcia, it's like, it's all about soul and realness of bringing it, you know, and, and Panic is, they're some of the best, especially JB. I mean, the stuff he does and pulls off during shows, it's hard to explain to somebody, well, hey, this guy's going to say some shit that's not even part of the song. He just makes it up every time. And you know what I mean? It's like, and then the people are looking at you going, okay, what the fuck, you know? We call it a rap. Like, yeah, you, you can't tell the lady at work and try to explain to her, you know, okay, this this is what happens, you know, during Hatfield. <laughs> but uh, that's just one of those things where... Oh, hold on. You just uh, muted real quick. Hold on. Mm, boom. Somebody was trying to call me and it muted. You yeah, know? no worries. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Oh, Hatfield, you, you, you're, uh, can you hear me now? Am I muted? Are you muted? I can hear you. I can hear you. I can't hear you. Hang mm, on, hold on, hold on. Shit. Just a second. Yeti, external. How about now? I can hear you now. I can, okay, okay. Good, good, good. I'm sorry. Somebody just tried to call me. Dude, it ha- it happens, man. Um, I've been filming can videos. Can you edit that part out, or is it I can if I want, or we can just, you know. Uh, but we were something about we were somewhere around Hatfield's mama. It was just we were just talking about how do you explain the uh, what what happens at a widespread show and the emotion it gives you. It's just it's I don't know, man. I can't explain it to this day, but I know from the time I was 15 and when I was going to see him, it was something that I, I knew I needed to go do. And that became a part of me. Um, I don't know, but a bunch of kids, man, almost everybody I grew up with, that was just like, most of them were independent. You know what I mean? They were into, it was just kind of like in the water around here where I was from. Hell yeah. But, uh, man, you know, I talk about, um, so I teach history at a college here nearby my it's like 25 miles away but 
I explain it to my students like this when I start when I get to ancient Greece. I'm like, hey, there's this guy named JB. And he's kind of like Homer, right? He's this, <laughs> he's this bard. I mean, because Panic has a catalog of the whole history of the band of something like 600 songs. Like that dude's known the lyrics to something like 600 songs. You mean the songs they performed all time, 600? All time, all time. The whole, yeah. every cover, every original, uh, the whole history of the band. Uh, it's something like 600. That's a lot of songs. That, that's like some Homeric shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it just goes to show you how much he puts into it. You know what I mean? Like, that's not easy, you know? In some of his later years, I'm sure he's using some lyrics up there with the lights on his monitor. But, uh, but yeah, that's still a lot of stuff to remember. Um, the yeah. thing that I think is the coolest about him is the, is the raps and stuff that he does. That really, I mean, that's what blows me away. I mean, his lyrics are definitely next level stuff i mean he sings a lot about space a lot about you know i don't know he, he seems about he sings about you know more stuff than just seems like you know, love and stuff he's kind of a little more like celestial kind of deep cat kind of thinking stuff we turned uh, a buddy of mine's an english professor on to the everyday album and um oh we we turned him on to two panic albums and the first thing he reported back to my friend and i you know, he sings a lot about food, you know, yeah, co yeah. coconuts and yeah. chicken. And I was like, yeah, you're damn straight he does. What did he say in one interview? He said chicken and angels. That's his, that's his two topics, chicken and angels. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, and I just, you know, part of them not being that big in the early 90s is me, me getting to go around. I met some people that kind of worked through them with them. I got to go backstage and meet them personally. I mean, they almost became, I didn't know them, know them, but I felt, you know, that I was more a part of the community. I'd get to go back there and then get to hang out with Jojo for a minute, shake his hand, get his autograph. Or, you know, they're always really cool guys too, really down there with people. So that was kind of part of it that drew me in too. I was just like, right on, man. You know, just, I really wanted to be in that world, you know, because I wasn't, I, I peaked early as an athlete, you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> I was kind of, I, I wasn't very good at, I was a pretty decent baseball player, but, uh, but then, you know, that was short lived and football wasn't really my thing. I was kind of just at a place where I was looking for something and I kind of found panic and their deal. And I kind of really jumped into it. It helped me out in some years when I was figuring myself out and all that stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, man. There's, there's been so many days, uh, in a row or weeks on end, maybe where all I've listened to is panic. I was yeah. joking with Mike Andler. It's like, well, I was just listening to panic exclusively every day. And then the new tool album came out and then I, <laughs> I detoured off on that for a while and then went back to panic. So, well, man, so one thing just watching, I was watching that Asheville show and I, I've watched several of your, of your clips just on YouTube and stuff. Um, but man, you play, you play guitar and you sing. So you're, you're, you're playing two roles at once. Yeah. That's, uh, on, okay. So there, did you hear all that? Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. So tell me about the, say what you just, I lost uh, so, it for a second. Yeah. So one thing I've been just watching, watching that Asheville show, um, watch most of it two two and a half hours. Um, <clears throat> But I just seen like clips, like uh, a clip of you playing Henry Parsons and Chili Water, and just 
right. stuff here and there on, online. And but man, one thing that that blew me away when I watched you guys play live, which that was a super recent show, like December of 2019, was yeah. you're you're playing, you're fronting the band, playing guitar, playing Hauser leads. Sometimes I'm like, man, wow, he sounds like Hauser, but he also sounds like Jimmy right now. But yeah. he sound, he's singing like JB. Like it really, man, it, it blew me away that you were able to do all that. Uh, how, right. how do you pull that off? What, what's your approach and being able to bring all that together like that? Oh, that's a big question. Um, <clears throat> well, I guess part of it was out of necessity as far as the, the Einhorn Finkel kind of part of it where the, uh, where I sing and play the Hauser lead, you know, like, uh, it's definitely challenging, you know, and we even, I've even thought about trying to bring another guitar player in or doing, we, we've experimented over the years, but uh, I don't know, man. I just pull a little bit. My playing's changed over the years. I, I pull a little bit from everybody who's been a part of the band, McConnell, some of my licks. I mean, I don't know. It's, I can't really play. People say, man, you sound a lot like Hauser. And, and, my, and even Todd Nance, when I played with him, he told me, you know, he sounded the closest to Mikey that I've ever played with besides Mikey, you sound like that, but I don't think I really do. I don't really try to, uh, to pull this thing off. I just kind of take all three of those guys and put them into one and try to deliver it in an honest way where I'm not wearing cowboy boots and a plaid shirt. You know what I mean? I still want to be myself while I'm doing it. I'm not trying to be these guys. That's big. I'm just yeah. trying to show play their music in the spirit of which I witnessed growing up and what it deserves. I mean, kind of the reason we started the band is I wanted the Soldano, which is right there. I don't know if you can see that. My yeah, amp. Yeah. That's, that was obviously Mike Hauser's amp, the Mesa Boogie and stuff. Um, but I wanted to play that. I wanted to play, I felt that they, I wanted to play the old school style of Panic. That's kind of the reason the band started. So I guess the question is, I just kind of have always, I started the band with guys I met, and I've just always played the lead, and I don't know. I don't try to sound like JB either. Some people don't like my voice, you know. I've heard some criticism uh, from some folks before that, my, you know, I don't really pull it off or whatever, but. I was digging it, man. No <laughs> criticism here, but, you know, I mean, anytime you put yourself out there. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, like, stuff. Yeah. His fans are very uh, – they can be pretty sanctimonious about about their music, you know what I mean? They're they're precious. <laughs> we played in Athens one time, one of the first times we ever played in Athens, man. It was rough, you know. I'm I'm a personally I'm a Carolina Gamecock football fan, and I felt like we were going into a football game playing in Athens because they were like, these guys are widespread panic cover band, you know what the fuck they're gonna suck, you know, or kind of a how dare you thing. And there's a couple of people. And even Eric Carter from Bloodkin was working at the bar we were playing at. I was like, oh, man. Wow. So, uh, by the end of the night, they were all smiles. You know, It was all love by then. But sometimes sometimes people, they're definitely like, man, I thought you guys were going to suck or, you know. <laughs> Dude, one of your shows, is it normal for you to have Edie Jackson signing at your shows? Edie, um, no. she's the, She lives in Polly's Island, which is uh, close to Myrtle Beach. So, We've I've known her. Her husband's obviously Peter, who were who was the production manager for Widespread for years, you know. Yeah. But uh, we we just met them, and she's done it before with us and stuff. So That's awesome. It's I've just been lucky living 
between Atlanta and South Carolina. A bunch of these cats live in the area, and, you know, we've had Lopez and the guys from Blood King. A bunch of people have showed up at our shows in Atlanta before and just come to watch us. And yeah, Danny Hutchins was at our show last December, which I've actually become pretty good friends with him. We did some shows and all that, but but it was kind of weird playing Blood King tunes in front of him, just having him sit over there to the side with Lopez and, you know, people from the crew from Washburn. He was like, man. Paul Hoffman's there. Oh man, this is oh. he sung out with us in Wilmington a lot. So you know, it's it's very close ties to these guys. And um, even though you know, like I don't try to like you know, abuse it in any way, but they, I definitely feel that they've uh, seen us do our thing and whatnot. And you know, I mean, they've always encouraged me to write my own music. They're not like they don't. I don't think they would come out and endorse us like you know the Kiss tribute band or. Uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen yeah. guy. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think ultimately they would convey to me, hey man, write some tunes, become your own guy kind of deal, which which is cool and all, but you know, this music is proven and there's a market for it. And you know, it's just uh, something I've always loved and, and it's really the only thing I'm good <laughs> or decent at. I wouldn't say good. Man, so do you guys cover exclusively Panic songs, like, or do you do Panic cover songs, like songs they cover as well? Yeah, pretty much anything they've done live is on the table for us. So that's basically, like you said, those six hundred songs. Yeah. And we've done we've done songs they haven't done. You know, I think we we actually played. I think we did Born to Run one New Year's Eve. You know, we've done some covers that they haven't done. We've done a few Tom Petty songs. I don't think they've done. Oh, yeah. I don't really have any rules as far as writing my set list, but we obviously play the hits, you know. We do Chili Water and, and, and the big ones, and you know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we play we play we do whatever they do live is basically how I base it. We do the key sets, the drums, the encore, you know, it's needed. But um, excuse me. We try to I try to play just I try to make it sound as close as possible to the real deal. Well, that's man. That's what blew me away is how how authentic it it did sound. Like when, I, particularly that Asheville show, which I'll probably link in the comment or in the description of, of this video. Yeah, when I show that it. was probably an off night for us too, if I remember. Oh, that was wow, the last time dude. There. there wasn't that many people there. It was cold, but I mean, it was a cool place. But I mean, uh, it's all. Anytime I know we're getting fit, which we do live streams now, or we did. But back in the day when we'd hire somebody or we knew somebody was filming us, we'd always play like shit in my body. You know what I mean? It would be like pressure. And... Yeah. But I've also realized that in my opinion, I probably sometimes keep to myself because people don't notice when we play bad. You know what I mean? I don't want to come off negative like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we missed that one part of tall boy, you know. But that's really what I'm thinking. <laughs> It man, that's it's so interesting in situations like that. The audience, I think, very rarely ever notices. There's been people like just with panic, for example, would be talking like, Did you hear JP messed up the lyrics on this? And I'm yeah. like, No, no, I didn't. Are you serious? Like, no, I didn't hear it at all. But have some people, have you seen the movie uh, Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg in it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Classic. Where he's in a cover band of his favorite band, and then the guy gets sick or whatever, so he gets to be in the band, right? So that was like my freaking. That was that's basically how you can look at me and the way I look at it. Like he's very anal about how the, this cover band was played. He wanted to play it right. He told the guys, you know, you're not doing that. He's just being a dick about it all. 
And, and, and to me, sometimes I catch myself being too much business because we're not writing songs. So I'm not worried about creativity or the other guys in the band. We don't argue about stuff like that. It's all about like, all right, that part of Pilgrims at the end where it starts doing that, we get, you know, that's, that's really what I'm on is like, I want to do this. I want, I look at it kind of like football a little bit, which is weird. But like, I want to execute, you know? <laughs> do you like study different versions and yeah. like compare different oh, yeah. versions of certain songs? That's, and that's what will sometimes guys will be like, man, I, schools didn't do that in the one I listened to, you know? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and like the drummer, our new drummer guy, he's a big Dwayne kid. He loves Dwayne. He, he's young and he didn't see Todd that much. So, and I always reference Todd with the feels and the way, the feel I want him to do it. So that that's really the only difference is we, I try to, I have a certain, and sometimes we pull up shows, I'll be like, man, let's do it like this, the way they're, the groove they have right there, because they play it so differently, and things change over the years, you know, you write a song, it sounds like this, and, and it just builds and changes, and five years later, it's, you know, it's a whole different beast, you know? Yeah. That's the beauty of it, too, is, is playing things, you know. But uh, I, I enjoy the jams and, and the whole hippiness of it, but I also look at it as I wanted to play it right, and I wanted to be, I, I pushed the guys, and I pushed myself <laughs> in that respect. So, yeah, and what I, I saw, I guess your bass player plays a, a six-string bass also, just like schools? Uh, yep, yep. Very, yep. very authentic. That's, that's <laughs> impressive. I mean, I, I've only <laughs> seen a handful of six-string basses in person, you know, uh, at music stores and stuff. I think he actually has a five-string he plays sometimes, too, but certain songs he plays a six, you know, when he needs that high part. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, man. I just I want, if you're gonna do it, you might as well do it right. You know what I mean? And and the thing about Panic and Jam Band music is there's a lot of open area of interpretation. You know, I mean, there's parts of songs you got to play it the way they write it, but then you got an open highway you can take and play that. You know, jam for minutes on things. You know, it's like they have a lot of open no rules in some of their songs besides the basic arrangements. Some songs are always played the same way. You know, travel and light. So same, even though it's not their song, but it just has the same structure. It's the same solo. It's the same, you know, basically six minute song. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so um, you mentioned about your your head and your uh, your your cabinet there being sort of Hauser. I've seen you play exclusively what appears to be a Hauser Telly. I got one of those myself right here. There you go. Yeah. You got the lace sensor pickups. Yes, sir. Two red, one blue. Yeah, yeah. Is that so? Is that do you run that setup exclusively? Yeah, man, I do. There was a couple years, man, when I when I another guitar guy would play with us, and he was really good. Like he's like Jimmy Herring good, and I played the Washburn like JB does for just almost oh, like nice. one year, but it didn't really work. And somebody, a couple people came to me and like, man, do you think why are you not playing the Telecaster? What the? What? <laughs> and then I was like, well, I'm trying something different. I just want to sing and not have to do the two things. And there was a bunch of people going, no, go back to the other thing. So I was basically forced into going back to the telly. But, yeah, that's all I play live with them. I have an acoustic, um, but I don't really play on stage with our band because cause I'm the only guitar player. So that really makes me have to do a little more stuff. And it really makes the piano player have to step it up a little bit, like during Space Wrangler when – JB holds down the chords a lot while the lead's going. 
I have I make the piano or I ask the guys to be louder during those parts or make more noise during that cover those chords because there's not a, another guitar player you know some of the some of it's challenging to do with one guitar but I try to I do a lot of things sometimes that Hauser normally didn't do sometimes I'll hold chords just to make more sound you know and just fill in because I understand what JV does on his part and Hauser so sometimes I just try to mush both of those together. <laughs> and play play two different licks in three second interval while I'm singing a verse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, have you seen how the Jimmy's rig rundown? How he has the volume pedals to bring in the rest of the band? That kind of blows my mind. Yeah, that's pretty excessive. But I mean, it, yeah, yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> they're always. I've always heard how loud, loud they were live. I don't know about now with Dwayne and Jimmy, but couple sound guys the guy at the house of blues he's like man they're the loudest band i've ever mixed in my life you know he was basically complaining about how loud their stage volume was which you know sound people hate that they want it to be quiet so they can mic it up and blow it to the speakers yeah. so uh i don't know jimmy has been he's really influenced me a lot I, I was i was a fan of his before he joined the band but i actually saw the first shows in new york i went up and He's a beast, man. He's good. You know, I, I wouldn't criticize him at all, but I mean, he's still in the book. He's been in the band, you know, what, 10 years, more than that, 15 yeah. years. On he's almost been in the band as long as Hauser was. Yeah. It's a whole different thing, man. It, it, it is. But that, that time comparison, that blows my mind, like the scale, like to think, well, I guess yeah. he, he joined in 06, if I'm not mistaken. 06, right? yeah, yeah. September 06 was his first shows up in uh, Radio City. I actually played a gig up there. I had some, some friends up there at their little local bar up there. I played. It was cool. But, man, Jimmy's playing. He's really rubbed off on me, but I can't play like him. I'm not good like him. I don't know the musical theory like he does. And I have these big, huge fingers that don't move that fast. You know what I mean? Like, So I, I've, I've taken a little bit of – I've learned a couple of his licks because some of these songs Hauser never played on, you know what I mean? So I have mm -hmm. to kind of do some of his stuff to try to emulate it, you know, St. X or uh, – what's the other one we do? I don't know. I like him a lot, man. I don't know if I like him with Panic. And like I said, I was a big Todd guy, and when Todd left the band, it kind of – that was kind of the straw for me where I was just like – not really get into it, but – I was I was a huge fan of theirs, and then when all that stuff happened, I just kind of quit going. I think I saw I've seen Dwayne once. I've seen one show with them. Wow, but that's um, like everything I've seen has only been with Dwayne. Todd probably left like six months before I saw him live the first time. Really? Yeah. And yeah, and that might be good for you as a fan presently because you don't have any reference. Dwayne's yeah. good, man. It's just I hear, but I hear these stories, and I I love I love having conversations with people about these past eras that I, I'm, I'm only able to watch on Nugs Net or. Well, or the, it was Todd and Mikey, man. They were, they were the, the, the childhood friends. And so their playing, man, was so integral, integral, whatever that word is, important. You know, the way they played off each other was a huge part of the band. And, you know, and when Todd right. left, to me, that was the last of the, the signature widespread panic sound. Besides JB's voice, I mean, you hear that space wrangler when you hear Porch Song, when you hear the takeout and all this stuff. It's Todd Nance 
Um, and just the way he played, the smoothness of his drumming, the transitions and stuff, I mean, it's hard to get in. It was hard to get into Dwayne's stuff. And, and, you know, and then once I started really, you know, it was hard. I'm a big Todd fan. And, and I hate that we just lost him, too. He was a yeah, really man. awesome dude. Special dude. And the, the short time I knew him personally, he really impacted my life. You know, it was really, really sad to see him go. But, um, but you know, I've seen that guy, man. I've seen him do stuff on stage. I mean, he belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They all do, in my mind. Not this is Georgia Music Hall of Fame. You know, when I when I was hanging with Todd, we went to his storage unit place where he had his drums, and he showed I know this is the drum kit I played for 25 years, and I'm thinking, this fucking thing belongs in a museum. You know, it's in a storage unit. I was like, wow. Todd, this thing needs to be set up in your house, dude. You know what I mean? He's, I was like, the, they belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they'll never get there because commercial bands that belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame aren't in it. But whatever award that you give out to people that do the best, they need to have it because they're one of the greatest bands ever, in my mind. I'm I'm with you. See, I, I knew we would talk about stuff just like this when when we were messaging back and forth. I was like, "Well, I'm a huge Panic fan. If that tells you anything, <laughs> yeah, there will be no no shortage of of, of back and forth." Um, um, do do you guys cover anything from the McConnell era? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, we do. We've done ribs and whiskey, which you know oh, that was yeah. a JB song that was around when Hauser was around, but they never performed it as a band. What else do we do, McConnell? You should be glad Hauser never played on that. Yeah. We played that song. Yeah. Um. Oh, there's a few, man. I like George really. Man, uh, did you see that? Bad, he really he was in a tough spot. Oh yeah, I but imagine. really, I don't know. The thing that always got me about George in my mind was he was really. I didn't like his equipment. Really, I thought that he would have benefited more for beefing up his tone a little bit, maybe getting a little more crunch in his shit, a little Warren Haynes. He was really good flat. Everybody always said George is great on acoustic flat picking, and that goes to show you he's a good guitar player, but his tone really didn't fit. There's a lot of times he was really muddy, and he would mm -hmm. wah-wah pedal things, and I don't know. He was in a tough spot, though, so I hate to criticize him, but well, I think I – yeah, <laughs> but well, you know, and why I bring this up? Did you see this past week? There was an old Beanland show going around from like '92 at the Varsity. I've got their, I've watched their their documentary about Beanland, so I'm familiar with them. And they were big. They were like a, you know, a huge college band in Mississippi. You know, they yeah, were, they were jamming though. Like not early '90s, '92. I was I was okay. super impressed, and I was like, man. I mean, I guess he did sound that that same sort of way with panic but i was like i thought that early beanland stuff i was like damn dude you're getting down like i see why they chose you to join the band i guess is oh, uh, and plus he, oh yeah plus he's been around knowing jojo knowing the guys he sat in with them it was almost like family you know like just like with us playing we've been playing since 06 so we've met bands along the way that aren't necessarily in our genre but and you become friends with people, man, when you see them on the road and, you, and they're, they're playing maybe the night before or they're loading out while you're loading in and you end up catching a, a drink or a meal with them. And you're like, it's like, you know, kind of brothers in arms kind of thing. You know what I mean? You just, you, re, you relate to them. I'm sure that was half of the thing. They felt comfortable around George 
especially the relationship with him and JoJo. And the story was they wanted Jimmy, and Jimmy was with Phil and contracted, so he couldn't join the band. So I don't know the truth to that. I've heard that how I've always heard that, it. yeah. Who knows what the fuck. I've heard that, too. I've heard Hauser handpicked him also, yeah. I don't, but that doesn't seem like a Hauser thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, the few times I met Mikey, I mean, but, but Ty also told me that Mikey was a lot more sort of, you know, behind closed doors. He was more like he wanted to be the leader kind of deal. Or he was the leader kind of deal, which yeah. I've seen that if you watch the movie, like they all kind of defer to him, even JB. Like he, he really was, I don't know, it's almost like they all kind of looked to him on stage and stuff like that, which was weird because he was the quiet guy sitting down with his hair in the wind, you know. But he, but, and me knowing the music, and that's another thing about me always saying, like, oh, well, George should have did this or Dwayne should do this. I do it for a living almost. So, you know, I'm a little jaded and, and, you know, maybe I shouldn't share those things at times, but I mean, I'm not showing any disrespect. I mean, I saw George McConnell play at Madison Square Garden and I also saw him play at my local bar in Florence. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I yeah. have no room to talk. I mean, the guy's been to the top. I'm not putting down anyway. I just, if, if anybody would have ever asked me, I would have been like, I would have tried to nudge him. And I'm sure that schools and the guys in the band never were like, hey, will you play it this way? Or you think you might could, you know, turn it up a little bit or, you know, beef this up, you know. It's a tough conversation to have for sure. <laughs> I bet the toughest one was the night they fired him on the bus. Oh, damn. <laughs> that was probably the real tough one. The story what? I heard was they kept checking to see if his contract was getting renewed and he kept asking around and they were like, oh. That it came down to an all-night bus ride from St. Louis to Louisville. Talking about, you know, I guess they let him go or something. But that was probably the tough one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, that, um, so that I was just somewhat recently listening to all those shows that Sam Holt played with them right after yeah. that. Man, Sam can get down. I, I'm a fan of Sam Holt's stuff. Yeah, Sam can get down. I'm a fan of Sam's too. I don't know if he's a fan of me too much. But I'm a pretty good fan of his. I've I've enjoyed his playing over the years, and I've, I've I've invited him many times to come sit in with us and come share the stage, and and he's never really obliged. I don't know if he if we both play the same thing, kind of. I don't know what his deal is. Yeah. But he's never reached out to me in that way, and I've always followed him on social media and and, uh, and liked his stuff. But yeah, he's great. I don't know why they wouldn't give him the shot. I guess it was they wanted to forge ahead. Because they're all about natural stuff, and they would probably wouldn't want to do even me or anybody who would play like they used to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Even though when when I got to play with Todd, it was nice to play with him, and he was very complimentary. And he said, "Man, it feels like the old days." But in a way, I could tell, you know, it was like the old days to him. I was in, probably enjoying it more than he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like rock and roll fantasy camp. Baseball fantasy camp, yeah. Yeah. Man, so did I mean why did Todd leave the band? Was, was it health reasons? Do you do you know? I've heard I've heard health reasons was a main thing the whole time, but I don't know. I I've mean heard this and that. You know, man, I, I probably shouldn't say why he left. Yeah, that's and that's fine too. Like I, it's like one of those things it's like the we were talking earlier, it's speculating about. <laughs> All right. I mean, you know. It's not my place to say why he left the band, but I'm sure most people can figure it out. You know, 
I'm sure there were some health reasons, but he came back for that reply on 16 and played with them for another run. And then, and then after that, he wasn't in the band anymore when they got back to Athens for the, the following shows. So yeah. whatever happened between that point was really the end of the band for them. So I'm not sure if it was health reasons or if, if they came to an agreement. You know, really, I just can't probably talk about that because because I, I was a little privy to some of the conversations. <laughs> and, and, and I'll say this. Growing up idolizing these guys, you put them on stage, you put them on a pedestal in the cloud, and then you get around these guys. And they're in the first 30 minutes you're around them, it's like, oh, my God, that's who these people are. And then you're around them for a few days and you go, man, these are just normal people, man. You know, they go, wow, these are normal people who have flaws. And you're like, wow, these are normal people, you know. And it's like some of me wished that I didn't see the other side so much. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. But just the whole thing, I was like, oh, man, this is so not what I thought it was kind of thing. And uh, so they always say, you know, you don't don't want to meet your idols because you're, you know, they're just people, man. I don't know why he left the band. I know it hurt him. I know it hurt him bad. And I, and he never said one bad thing to me about Dwayne or the band. The time I was around him when he played, when, when I got to play with him, he was, he didn't say anything bad. So, I mean, he was, it just seemed like it really hurt him. And he was hurt not being able to do his thing anymore. And I don't know, he didn't tell me about any blame or any of that, but I think it just really hurt him. And, and I got to play with him when I, the, the few times I played with him, I saw it, you know, he would get that spark and he could still play too. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't think there was many physical reasons he couldn't be in the band anymore. Cause you know, he whooped it up pretty good with me, but yeah, that's always stuff that, you know, is handled internally. And I, and I'm sure now that he passed away, I mean, I'm sure that there's some, some real feelings, man. And, I don't really know what happened at the end with Todd, but I hope that, that he got to talk to some of the guys. And I would hope there was some kind of like reaching out or closure done, but I don't know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, it, <clears throat> that sort of stuff is, uh, you know, Curtis George from Pan Extreme, he, he, he slips this in periodically, but I think anybody that listens to Panic says this kind of kind of stuff is like they're they're not even they're not going to be around for how much longer? You know, sadly, it's like enjoy it enjoy it while it lasts. That's that's what he keep what I've I've heard a few people say. You know, yeah, and that's and that's really the truth of it, man. Anytime they get to play, especially with all this COVID stuff from this year and their last shows what was their last shows that new york run in march right so just for them to keep playing is like you said it is a treasure man and at this point it is what it is and they probably need to play as long as they want to play you know and keep it going as long as it feels relevant to them and the magic's there i'm still a huge fan of theirs man i just I'm a big fan of theirs, and I always will be. Whether I agree with some of the stuff that happened or agree with some of the moves they make, it doesn't matter. I'm just a fan. You know what I mean? I'm not. It's really none of my business. But like I said, people love this band so much it becomes your life. You know what I mean? And it, and it really became my life when I started the band and then started trying to pursue. You know, I wanted to get to the bottom of their sound and stuff, and boy did I! I really got to the bottom of a lot of it. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, man, you're, you, you're definitely, you're killing it out there. And I, I appreciate the heck out of what you're doing. And um, mm-hmm. man, what's, uh, what songs are you, uh, you going to play for us today? Man, what do you want me to do? I was thinking maybe driving song. Oh, see, well, you, what, our last show was was in uh, in March as well when this started, and I started, I made it about a month and a half or two, and I started doing these live streams from down here in my music room, and it's really helped me on Friday nights to just kind of do it and get it out, and so I've I've, I've got to explore some songs and new stuff and old stuff. Um, I was thinking driving songs probably their masterpiece to me, uh, along with you know Pilgrims and some other songs. Like the, the po- Port, Porch song in Takeout are, are two two of my absolute favorites. Porch song and Takeout. Yeah. Okay. How about I do like driving song and then Porch song? Man, that'd be killer. I could do that. Should I back the camera up so you can see my guitar? Uh, it's up to you. I'm going to see if I can't share just your screen, too, while we're at it. I wonder if that'll change the thing. And all. Let me back this up a little bit and see. I don't want to mess anything up. Can you see the guitar? Yeah, yeah. My, our production value here, our production value at the house is lacking a little bit. You hear that all right? It's a little, a little uh, condensed. Condensed? You need it up a little bit? Yeah, just a tad. There we go. Thank you. 
Yeah, man, I love the looper. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. so I can get more of a more sound and more of a feel to it. Very nice, man. Very yeah. nice. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate again you sitting down and and sharing the passion with me, man. It's been awesome. Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, I hope I get to meet you in person one day. Oh, hey, likewise. Um, <laughs> if I'm ever in the neighborhood, I'll hit you up, and I mean, maybe if you guys uh. Or playing a show, I'll I'll, uh, I'll get to get to see you before long. In the what post- part of Arkansas do you live in? Uh, like right in the River Valley, kind of between uh, Little Rock and Fort Smith, like right in the middle. <clears throat> okay. So well, maybe we'll come traveling through one day, and we'll have to get up and hang out and have a drink, brother. Heck yeah, man! Sounds great. Uh, when will this When will this be on the air? Uh, man, I'll edit it. Probably put it out sometime early this coming week. I'm gonna be on quarantine, so I'm gonna have all kinds of time. Well, let me know, brother, and, uh, and I'll, I'll forward share it. it out to everybody. For sure. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate your time, man. Okay, man. I enjoyed it. Have a good one. Take care.